Welcome to the View from the Front podcast, a show about military and defense news designed for serious people who love their country more than they love their political party. It's a show for moderates who are tired of their news being from the left or the right or being over the top and scary. I fully understand how frustrated most Americans feel at how divided we are, and I am the very opposite of most news organizations who often write articles that are too alarming. My name is Stan R. Mitchell, and I'm a prior infantry Marine who dropped the sword and picked up the pen. After joining the Marine Corps at the age of 17 to serve four years in the infantry, I exited military service, earned a degree, and spent 10-plus years in the news business, initially as a reporter, but then going on to start a weekly newspaper. What can I say? Anyone crazy enough to start a weekly newspaper at the age of 27 is probably a dreamer and an optimist, and I confess that I'm both. I owned that weekly newspaper for nine years, from 2004 to 2013, but once it was clear that owning a newspaper wasn't the best path to financial security, I went on to become an author. To date, I've written 11 books, and while it's true I'm still writing, I'm now here as well, a -a twice-a-week podcaster who's still in love with both his country and the news. And I see this podcast as a small way to continue serving our country, doing my best to inform and unite us in a time that we're as divided as we've probably been in a hundred years. If you were to ask anyone who lived in Oak Ridge during the nine years that I owned that weekly newspaper, they would tell you that I sought to downplay controversy, I worked hard to understate headlines, and I did my absolute best to never create panic, which is a terrible way to sell newspapers, but a responsible way for a media outlet to act. I plan to do these same things with my podcast. I love the news, and we need the news, but we need to have news that's less over the top. News that folks don't dread to hear because it's too scary, and news that isn't so blown out of proportion and fear-based that it was clearly written to be shared and scare the devil out of people. The news shouldn't be a game intended to grab eyeballs and monetize dollars. It's an absolute fact that our democracy doesn't work if we don't have informed voters. And since we're talking about the news and informed voters, let me say this. I'm convinced that foreign policy decisions are the most important decisions that we face as a country. They lead to greater consequences on the world stage, and they can lead to tragic deaths, either because we shouldn't have intervened somewhere, or perhaps because we should have. America is the world's leading power, and we mostly lead the world from a position of moral authority, showing other countries how they should behave in regards to ethics, restraint, and providing freedom for their citizens. Foreign policy decisions can be tragic and heartbreaking, and it's important that we get them right. It's also crucial that when we get them wrong, such as when we did in the Vietnam War, then the faster we can course correct, the faster we can reduce how many lives we lose. I don't claim to have all the answers, but I do think much can be gained from discussing these issues and creating a community where we intelligently discuss the troubles confronting us and where we work to come closer together and respect each other's views with more patience and kindness. A house divided cannot stand, and I strongly believe that more unites us than divides us. I will not remain silent while politicians seeking their own personal gain try to throw gas on a dangerous fire, doing their best to tear apart this country so that they can advance to a higher office. I will also not remain silent when we have media organizations doing great harm to our country by scaring people or creating panic. We face great challenges as a country. But America has stood together for more than 240 years, and it's only together that we can pass on a better future for our kids. So, let's get a little better informed, 
and let's work to get a little more united as a people. Thank you for being patient and allowing me to share that monologue. I think it's important people hear what I'm about before they listen too long. And I think it's also important my regular listeners hear this message enough that it sinks in, that it affects what they believe, that it affects how they act. We need to hold and cherish the beliefs that got us here today. Beliefs such as patience, kindness, and a strong belief that our best days lie before us. These are the beliefs that got us to this point, and they're also the beliefs that will get us to a brighter future. Thanks again for your patience on this intro. I know it's not the sort of fast-paced, really hip, Twitter-friendly, TikTok-cool intro that fits most podcasts that go viral, but maybe we've got a few too many podcasts that are like that. Maybe we need to go back to something deeper, to something firmer and more solid, to something we can build a foundation from, and that's what I'm offering. And with that, let's get started. This is the September 9th edition of The View from the Front. I hope everybody's had a great week. It's Friday. I hope you've got some great plans for this weekend. Hope you can get a little bit of football watching in as well. Just a quick reminder, if you love what you're listening to, please consider subscribing. At a minimum, subscribe to the podcast through whatever channel you're listening to, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. All of my podcasts are free, but if you really want to be a rock star and support what we're doing, you can sign up at my Substack for $5 a month. Not only will that help encourage and sustain what we're doing here, but it will also get you the Tuesday post on Tuesday. As a reminder, those Tuesday posts are available to everyone, but they're delayed by one day unless you're a paid subscriber. That way, it will encourage folks to support what we're doing here if they can, but also doesn't really penalize you if you can't make that $5 a month payment, and most are just waiting one extra day for the content. There are a lot of news items that I'm hoping we can get squeezed in, so let's just get started. The biggest news since Tuesday is, of course, the uh, passing of Queen Elizabeth, but I don't plan on saying much about that because there's tons of stuff being said about that elsewhere, and I don't claim to be able to do any better than what is uh, being said there. So no disrespect to her, but uh, you can find plenty of that news everywhere else. And one of the things I want to do with this podcast is find news that isn't everywhere else. So with that in mind, we're just going to move along past that. I'm sure you've heard the news, and I'm sure you can find more about it quite easily. I wanted to say one other brief thing before we get to uh, the first news item about Ukraine. And that is, there was a uh, death in uh, the Southwest. And I'm not going to mention the reporter's name or who's alleged to have murdered him. I'm only just going to say that It's frustrated me the past 10 years or more with the attacks on the media. I used to be a a member of the media, and I guess I'm increasingly becoming one again. And, you know, I I covered a small town and a few surrounding towns around it. Small city is about 30,000, so depending on where you live in the United States. If you're up north, that's nothing. If you're in the south, that's a decent-sized little city. But there are dangers to being a local reporter if you're doing some serious digging. And I remember... uh, just speaking for myself, I was once, uh, and I want to be careful how I talk about this, but I was once investigating a local police chief, and he had some loyal officers, but he also had some city council members that were starting to kind of investigate him a bit, and some of his own officers, and I remember the fear that I myself felt, and mostly not that I would be killed, but I remember it being a hot summer. I remember some hearing some things that he knew what I was doing, and you know, you start to get a little more paranoid about it. I remember it was summer, and um, I was scared to keep my windows down. My biggest fear was that I'd be framed for something. 
you know, you, you, one of his cops might throw some drugs in or something. And, and I'd had some of the loyal cops kind of say, hey, just be careful. Just, you know, we know he's not happy with you. No one knows what he'll do. And so these fears start to grow in your mind. But I only say all this because it's frustrating to me because as a democracy, we have to have a media that's willing to dig and write unpopular stories. And a lot of times in the smaller towns, this is a very difficult thing to do. There's small chamber of commerces. There's only so many businesses. The pressure against you can be very, very strong. And sometimes the pressure to do things that maybe the local mayor or some of the business leaders ought to do, such as run off a bad police chief, they push it on the on the media because they don't have the courage to do it themselves. And so they'll feed you leaks. They want you to lead, to basically lead the charge, so to speak. So at any rate, I just say all that because I was very saddened to see that that a reporter who had broken some pretty big news had passed. And um, it's, uh, I don't know, it just kind of hit home that a lot of the times, I think we just forget that some, that we have reporters who make, you know, if they're lucky, 35, 40K in some of these smaller towns and stuff. And they're doing, they're investigating corruption. And these aren't, you know, big political figures, but they have a lot to lose. They have retirement, sometimes they have businesses, and sometimes these people are unstable. And so to say that there's not some threat or some danger in doing these type of stories is to be ignorant of the situation. And in fact, even um, Charlie Sachs, who's obviously a big news name, he said that he once had a friend in the Vegas area that had done a lot of corruption investigations and how his friend would always talk to him about how worried he was that he was investigating companies that might have been affiliated with the mob or new mob figures. And so he was mentioning on his podcast that when he had read this story, same thoughts happened to him. So just want to put that out there. We should appreciate all of those who are doing the best they can in the media. I know some media operates irresponsibly. I obviously plan to call that out a lot in the coming episodes. But at the same time, there are good people out there doing good work and they're putting themselves at some risk and they're doing it for little financial gain. I appreciate your patience for letting me share that. So let's begin now, as I said, with the latest in Ukraine. We've been talking the past few episodes about the Ukrainian military making pushes into the south toward Kherson and also toward the east in the Donbass region, especially in the Kharkiv region. And uh, happy to report that the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said that to date, Ukrainian forces in Kharkiv and Kherson have recaptured more than 270 square miles of territory, and they have advanced up to 31 miles into Russian lines. That was reported by Reuters. I'll have a link to that so that you can read that story. It goes into a little bit more detail, but certainly these advances were finally coming to get a, a better understanding of how far Ukrainian forces have advanced. And uh, this is certainly good news for the Ukrainians. While the Russians are dealing with losses, uh, President Vladimir Putin is defiant um, as much or more so than ever. And he argues that the West has failed in its economic, financial, and technological aggression against Russia. There's a New York Times article that described his defiance. And I've got it linked in the source notes. And I just wanted to quote a couple paragraphs. Mr. Putin said, we have not lost anything and will not lose anything. And the next paragraph reads, 
showing no sign of stopping the invasion, now in its seventh month, an ever-defiant Mr. Putin said that Moscow had raised its international stature and rid itself of, quote, harmful, end quote, elements inside the country. He also reasserted his interpretation of the war in Ukraine as the culmination of his effort to subvert an unjust world order led by the United States. So there you have it. That's the uh, current Russian view of the situation from Mr. Vladimir Putin himself. I will say that uh, Vladimir Putin may be defiant, but in addition to the bad news of his forces being pushed back in the south and the east, the U.S. announced another um, large amount of uh, weapons package, $675 million, so not quite a billion, which we kind of started getting used to. But the Washington Post lays out that in this shipment of $675 million, there are more radar hunting missiles, those HARMS, the high-speed anti-radiation missiles. As a reminder, if you missed the episode a few back, those are launched from fighter aircraft and Again, they hone in on an enemy's radar. So the Ukrainians will see a signal of like a anti-aircraft um, missile site, what used to be called a SAM site, which is surface-to-air missile. But they will see that radar, and the Russians have some pretty good anti-air missiles, including S-300s. But the Ukrainians will see them, and they can launch these missiles from a long distance away and take out those. So. I haven't really seen articles about this, but if you follow the analyst, there are more and more aerial strikes happening from the Ukrainians. So not only did the Russians fail to knock out the Ukrainian Air Force, but you'll increasingly see analysts posting videos of Ukrainian aircraft striking positions that are Russian positions, obviously. And so the Russians failed to ever gain air superiority completely, and increasingly the Ukrainians are getting better at knocking out incoming missiles even, not to mention just Russian planes. I, I saw at least one Russian jet was shot down recently with some of the stuff I've been keeping up with. So in this package, it's not going to get any better for the Russians. There's also plenty of 105 millimeter howitzer rounds. There's also plenty of ammunition for the multiple launch rocket systems, high Mars systems. And so this is a good size package and the only reason it doesn't sound like a ton is because previous packages have been about a billion dollars but this is still a huge amount of weaponry that ukraine will be able to use and in the washington post article uh, it quoted the defense secretary lloyd austin saying ukraine is fighting for its life it's fighting for its sovereign territory and its democracy and its freedom but the stakes reach far beyond the front lines they affect us all so, no uh, slow-up, really, of uh, U.S. support. And, in fact, um, Lloyd Austin is in Europe right now, basically rallying U European nations to give even more aid to Ukraine. So, it doesn't appear to be any wilting of public support in the U.S. And so, that's been good because a lot of analysts, and I, I was a little worried, too, worried that U.S. support for Ukraine might start to falter or that, as often happens with U.S. Uh, public support, people just kind of stop paying attention. But I think these offensive, as they have helped like reclaim the narrative and some news attention for Ukraine, that a war is happening, and they're doing as absolutely as well as they can, but they continue to need American and assistance from the rest of Europe. I next wanted to highlight a few things from a recent press briefing 
held by the Pentagon press secretary. It was uh, done by an Air Force Brigadier General, Pat Ryder. And I've talked about before how you can sometimes just really learn some things from uh, these de- these briefings. They're not really a debriefing, they're a briefing. And there are just nuggets in there that it still is a little surprising to me that the media doesn't do a better job of digging out some of these nuggets. And, and maybe they do. I know foreign policy news is not a big deal for most media organizations. And um, they're probably pitching these stories, but often it can't be. Um, they just can't find the space or airtime to get them out. So the first nugget from that is the general was asked about Russia reaching out to North Korea about the ammunition. And uh, General Ryder said that they have indications that Russia has approached North Korea to request ammunition, but that he can't provide any other detail and that he doesn't have additional information. One of the reporters asked some great questions. He said, has Russia sent money over? Are they waiting for the shipment? Where are they at in the process? And General Ryder said that the only information that the Pentagon has is that they have approached North Korea, but beyond that, they don't have further details. So if I had to guess, I would say that through possibly signals intelligence, we've intercepted them trying to, uh, Russia trying to talk with North Korea about this. So obviously this is something that's probably just in the early stages, if I had to guess. So I wanted to drop that little bit on you, and then another good one here. A reporter asked a follow-up question, why declassify this information now? Is it because you received it now, or because the process of declassification took a while? I guess, why now? And General Ryder said this, So, what I would say is that as this campaign has unfolded, we've tried to make an effort to ensure that the public and the international community understand the situation that Russia finds itself as they, again, continue to wage their campaign in Ukraine. This information is relevant to the fight in the sense that, again, it's indicative of the situation that Russia finds itself in and shows the fact that they are trying to reach out to international actors like Iran and North Korea that don't have the best record when it comes to international stability. Now, as a reminder, I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but Russia reached out to Iran and actually received delivery of Iranian drones. So we know that Russia has received weapons from Iran, and clearly they're trying to from North Korea. One other great nugget from that uh, briefing. There was a questioner who asked a reporter a couple of week ago a couple of weeks ago, there were no new assessments that China was going to invade Taiwan any sooner than we've previously thought. Is that now that a couple of weeks have passed since these exercises happened and we've seen China continuing to violate Taiwan's Taiwan's airspace? Is there any new assessments going on about the prospect of this happening in the next five or ten years? And we get a very definitive answer from General Ryder who says, yes, I'm not aware of any new assessments. So that's a good nugget. That was uh, as, as black and white of an answer as you can get. So that's, that's good to know that um, so far at least it's still mostly bluster with China regarding possibly attacking Iran. And then the final thing I wanted to point out from the briefing is This didn't make huge news, but the Iranian Navy, which I hesitate to call it a Navy, it's not much of a Navy, but they do have a Navy, uh, captured a couple of sea drones in the Middle East recently. And these sea sea drones are literally just uh, unmanned drones. They're about 23 feet long. They have a cell on them and some cameras, and they're used to help expand the uh, ability of the U.S. Navy to see what all's happening in some of these uh, hotspots. 
And so I ran captured two of them. Um, again, they're unmanned. It's not hard to capture a small, basically floating sailboat. And so they were captured, but the U.S. did go in and get those back. And I've got some, I've put in pretty much the entire information on that from that briefing. But I did want to try to get in just a couple of parts from that. One reporter asked if they saw any kind of trends happening and is the fact that two of these sea drones were captured by the Iranian Navy some kind of a larger trend. Uh, General Ryder said on that that he did not see the two as connected and he says, quote, again, as you're aware, in the case of the cell drones, we did recover the drones and it's just another example of Iranian activity in this region that is unprofessional and problematic. And so we'll certainly continue to keep an eye on that front. But again, to answer your question, we do not see those two as connected. Then he got another question about the threat level of when the U.S. Navy recaptured these, was there the threat of using kinetic force, basically attacking these ships? Um, and General Ryder said, the Iranian Navy held these cell drones on the, their deck of their ship overnight and returned them the next morning. Um, he explained that they're part of the 5th Fleet's Task Force 59, that we've been using these drones since um, January of 2022, so this year, and that they're a way to provide information to the commander in the area. Um, and he, he had been asked about, there are some statements that there were cameras missing from them. And that did so basically, did the Iranians take any type of, uh, you know, technology from the U.S. that is harmful to us that they now have in their hands. He said that the uh, drones only have off-the-shelf regular cameras, nothing secret, nothing special about them. So, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about how Ukraine is using off-the-shelf drones for some of their attacks on tanks and all, and so it looks like off-the-shelf stuff is, you know, a about as good as we have on some items. And it's kind of funny, having obviously been in the military, People always laugh, and, you know, even when I was in in the 90s, almost anything civilian made, whether it was boots, um, rain gear, literally anything, socks, um, pretty much any type of gear the military issued, you could buy a, a better version of it that was civilian made. And that was when North Face started really making a name for itself, but almost every infantryman I knew had um, privately purchased civilian boots um, and, and other gear. So doesn't really surprise me that there are cameras that are made off the shelf that are probably superior to what the military can do in the short term. So I know the military is great at developing some top secret stuff, but as far as just uh, typical gear, it doesn't surprise me that we're not using some kind of top secret cameras or anything. I did put a link in the source notes to an article where there's literally video of Iran trying and failing to kidnap an American drone boat at sea. In this case, in this incident, um, the boat was being towed by an Iranian ship. But you can watch the video of how the U.S. Navy uh, sends out a helicopter to basically reclaim it. So i got a link there in the source notes if you want to go see that. One final thing I wanted to mention about Ukraine. I have an article linked from the New York Times uh, we had talked about the inspectors who had gone to the nuclear uh, plant. And I've got a couple paragraphs shared in there about how during the inspection, they found Russian military equipment parked inside buildings. They found damaged buildings that housed fresh nuclear fuel as well as radio radioactive waste. 
They also found that um, plant operators were being denied access to some parts of the facility, including the cooling ponds. And so even in one final thing, they even while they were there, there was some shelling that happened. And so the inspectors were forced to take cover. So there was literally fighting happening around the nuclear plant while it was happening. And, um, you know, I, I know that um, on Tuesday, on the last episode, I went through uh, basically my own, um, I guess, view, I guess is the right thing to say, that, you know, I thought the West had kind of overhyped the dangers from it. And interestingly, since Tuesday, I haven't seen a whole lot about the nuclear plant. I know that, you know, obviously the Queen passed recently, and I know that the offensive have, offenses have, have taken more... Um, media attention of late but um who knows that's all i've got on that and hopefully i would love at some point if the ukrainians are actually just able to recapture it so that they could make sure that this um plant is in safer hands but that's all i've got for that on this at this moment okay before we get into the motivation and wisdom part i wanted to share i've always tried to put a little bit of bonus material in the source notes one of them is that there's a story on CNN about the U.S. military trying to um, pursue a deal with commercial rocket ca- companies to explore the idea of using rockets to shuttle military cargo around the world at record speeds. I didn't get a chance to really research this, and I kind of want to dig into it, but I may dig into that in a future episode because that's kind of a crazy story. Uh, another one is that um, Albania has ejected Iranian diplomats because there was a... Uh, cyber attack and there's a story on that that i've got linked in the source notes which you can find but uh that was a pretty bold move by albania it's not exactly a large country not exactly a big country certainly not you know respectfully to them a powerful country but uh they finally had enough of some of iran's shenanigans you can read about that story from the source notes which again to get to those you just go to the Substack, which is stanrmitchell.substack.com And with that, let's get to the best part, which is, of course, the motivation and wisdom section. As you know, typically when I do the motivation and wisdom section, I start with like some good news or something kind of cool that I found. And this week for this episode, I'm going to do one that is something that I wrote. I was at the ball field on Thursday night and um, it's kind of an amazing night, like it was getting to be dusk. And there was a full moon, and there were very few clouds, and there are all there are these. Uh, my stepson's thirteen, but at that time we were watching a friend's kids who's who's eight, and um, kind of got, you know, I'm a writer, so I easily can take the most smallest, silliest thing and turn it into something. But at any rate, I wrote a uh, string of tweets that uh, I think will inspire you. I hope. So I'm going to just read those to start this out, and then we'll go to just, to just the regular motivational quotes. So. Here it begins. Sometimes I think super deep, super silly thoughts, the curse of being a writer. And I am at the ball field tonight, watching my stepson play, and I notice that full moon and the players trying their best, dreaming big dreams on a small field as the light turns to dusk. And it hits me that if you've ever served this country, this is part of what you were fighting for. A land of peace, mostly, where kids can pursue dreams and imagine futures you've probably long since forgotten. And this also hit me. In the condensed and compressed time of a single season, of a single game even, 
you can see things that sometimes you can't see in the drawn-out, exhausting days of adulthood. You can see pitchers shake off bad pitches and bad innings. You can see players and teams dust themselves off and regroup for another try in an uphill fight. We cheer them on from the sidelines, coaching them up, but I'm not so sure we heed these same lessons ourselves. We don't shake off divorces, unexpected layoffs, and missed promotions that should have been ours. We don't dust ourselves off from the failures of stalled dreams. And we certainly forget that the small field we are playing on doesn't have to be our last. Bigger ones exist. And this is a shame, because deep down, a voice tells us that we still can, that there's a full moon happening, as well as a night without rain. If you're still breathing, there's still time. And there's others who haven't been as lucky as you, who are no longer with us. Millions of them died in faraway lands to give us this opportunity that we have at this very moment. I bet they'd give anything to be here, going for it. But besides even that, if we're being honest, these same kids watch us day in and day out to see how we're competing as well. Don't be in the stands or on the bench. You never know who's watching or what might just happen. Dreams can come true. There you go. So I wrote that on my phone. Reading it was painful because uh, anytime I read something of my own, I want to edit about 15 different things. But the great thing about Twitter is you can't edit tweets. So that's what I wrote on my phone. Hopefully that somewhat hit you. I hope it hit you hard. But uh, if it did or didn't, thanks for your patience while you listen to it. Now let's just get to the quotes. Here's the first one. Your future needs you. Your past doesn't. Next one. Degrees get you jobs. Skills get you freedom. Ooh, that was a good one. Next one. Act as if what you do makes a difference. It does. Wow, another good one. Next one. Forget all the reasons why it won't work. Believe the one reason why it will. Another good one. Let your hustle be louder than your words. That is a great one. If you've never been scared or embarrassed or hurt, it means you never take any chances. Another good one. Next one. You shouldn't focus on why you can't do something, which is what most people do. You should focus on why perhaps you can and be one of the exceptions. That is a great one. Next one's from uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt, a quote. When you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. Man, that's a good one. Next one. Keep grinding. Your day is coming. Next one. Shock everyone. Do what they said you couldn't. Next one. We should not criticize those who trip by taking a more difficult than usual step. Ooh, that's a pretty good one. Next one. Continuous learning, continuous improvement, continuous succeeding. And I realize I botched reading that. It should have said continuous learning, continuous improving, continuous succeeding. I clearly need to do some improving myself. I'm trying though, right? Next one. People of accomplishments rarely sat back and let things happen to them. They went out and happened to things. That was attributed to Leonardo da Vinci. Talent won't get you paid, but hustle will. That's a great one. Next one. 
When you speak, always speak with strong confidence. Watch the difference it makes. That was a great one. Next one. A goal should scare you a little and excite you a lot. That's really good. I know a lot of people, we all got friends who are in day jobs that you can just see it. It's just kind of like suck the soul out of them. And they're just, they're living, but man, it's just they're just kind of barely surviving. I like that though. A goal should scare you a little and excite you a lot. We all have things that we should be chasing, don't we? All right. I always like to end with this one. Be the reason someone smiles. Be the reason someone feels loved and believes in the goodness of people. And with that, thanks for joining us this week on The View from the Front. As a reminder, The View from the Front is a reader-supported publication. The best way to make this work sustainable and to help improve it is with a paid subscription. But at the same time, free ones are appreciated too. I've got a link into the, in the source notes on how you can subscribe. You can do that from our website, stanormitchell.substack.com. Again, that's stanormitchell.substack.com. And you can subscribe to the show. That'll make sure you don't miss any. As a reminder, please be kind. Try your best to love your fellow Americans. Let's all work to unite this country. Also, try to be a better person each and every day. Try to be kinder on social media, how you interact with others with whom you disagree. And if you have a dream kicking around in the back of your mind, go after it. If you have that friend or family member that you know you should reach out to, reach out to them. Finally, and this especially goes to all my awesome military folks listening out there, if you need help, please reach out to someone. Please. Call that friend or family member. Do it for us all. We've already lost too many of the greatest folks that this country has produced to suicide. And so I'm asking you to be brave once more. Show some vulnerability. Take a deep breath. Breathe. Call a friend or family member, someone who can help. Uh, with that, I appreciate each and every one of you. Every tweet, every share, every email, etc. I can't tell you how much those mean to me. And I love each and every one of you all out there. So please join me again in our next episode. Stay safe until then. Thanks again, everyone. You guys are the best. As always, don't forget to check out my books. You can find all 11 of them on Amazon. I think you'll enjoy them. Highly rated. They sell pretty well. And with that, I'm out.